Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to Your Questions Answered. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Adam Nicholas from What Culture to answer all of your burning <coughs> wrestling questions. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a Liga quiz, of course, on wrestling culture, but as I said, I am joined by Adam Nicholas to take on the Q and A community. Uh, and Nicholas, let's start by diving straight into these Twitter questions we got at What Culture WWE at It's Adam Nicholas at Adam Wilborn. All three of us on Twitter. Uh, this one comes from Johnny Rest Sling, who says, <laughs> Good. "Are two night pay per views the way forward? Should AEW adopt this approach? Love you guys. Love you too, Johnny. Uh, yeah, what did you make, first of all, of, of two nights of WrestleMania again? I think they have made a massive change, I think. Um, and I think the best comp- like the best comparison I could possibly make would be, obviously, we had WrestleMania 37. We had two great nights. You get two big endings to two pay-per-views, both which went down pretty well in different ways, I think. Um, but then we go back to one you and I personally lived, Adam Wilborn, uh, WrestleMania 35 when you could have easily split that up into two. And if you imagine finishing night one with Kofi's win yeah. and finishing night two with Becky Lynch's win, not to say they weren't still both amazing moments, but Becky's in particular suffered from happening at like one in the morning and everybody was <laughs> exhausted after all of the rest. And um, it just it just makes sense. I think for fans, it makes sense. And I think for performers as well, more importantly, it mm. makes sense. And also, there's got to be a way financially that can make that make sense too, surely. Yeah, I, was, I think I was chatting about this with Andy on the news the other day. And I, and I said, you know, it's all well and good saying, well, they can't do a two-night WrestleMania forever because how are you going to sell, I don't know, 150, 200,000 tickets? And it's like, well, they're wrestling fans. They're, they're in the area. Like, if they just said, like, if WrestleMania 35, perfect example. Uh, you'll have to move around the dates and stuff because we had the takeover and the Raw and whatever. But let's just say that they did it and they allowed for an extra day. If they went, here's your ticket, hold on to that. You'll need to come back tomorrow. And it's the same fans for two nights. Fine. I'd rather that than, like you say, be stuck there for eight sodding hours and have to try and ramp myself up for a match we've been looking forward to for six sodding months or whatever it was. Um, And yeah, I I, I don't want WrestleMania to go back to one night now. Like, it, it very much should be the least concern here. But when you've got people like Sasha, who's desperate to main event and you've had people in the past who haven't main evented and stuff. The fact you get two shots at it means that you can kind of please more people there. I'm not saying that that should be the reason that you do it, but as well as part of that question you asked about AEW, like you say, I I think, you know, you wouldn't have 
<laughs> WrestleMania backlash and two night <laughs> extravaganza or bloody, you know, money in the bank being two nights. Those you just keep it nice and tight. You just keep it three hours. It's really easy. You know, Bill and I have said ourselves, like we've done our, our sort of what went down of say something like fast saying gone. Hey, it wasn't great, but it was short. I mean, that sh- yeah. that shouldn't be a nice surprise. It should just happen. The intriguing part of that question, I think, uh, you know, you have I think you have you'd still have one night SummerSlam, one night Survivor Series, one night Royal Rumble uh, and two nights WrestleMania. The AEW question is interesting because I've thought that is because, you know, they've only got four a year. They try and cram loads mm. of stuff on it. And I'm. Yeah. I'm quite honestly, not just because of the time difference, although that may be one of the reasons I'm exhausted after a revolution or yeah. whatever it may be. What do you reckon to that? Two nights for them. Yeah, I think it's a problem they're going to have to deal with sooner rather than later, isn't it? Because uh, one of the things wrestling fans didn't like before AEW was created was that WWE's pay-per-views were creeping into the four-hour mark. So that was mm. something they weren't happy with. Now we're getting to the point where AEW, almost from the very word go, have used that model, haven't they? That's and I, I get it because obviously, like you say, they don't have as many pay per views per year. <sighs> to make all of that pay per views two nights, I, I don't think that works. I don't think that's feasible enough. And uh, the minute I think it might just be a case of they might have to get tighter on yeah. what they do. And yes, it's it's good trying to get as many people on the pay per views as you can, and all the storylines tend to have been given enough time to have been relevant, but. I think they're going to have to start. Three hours, I think, seems to be where there's a nice mark there. Four hours, it starts to feel bad. Five hours when you've got pre-shows and stuff involved yeah. as well. Fans get exhausted, man, they do. And unless you've got something else to kind of be doing in between. Um, the one thing I would say is that maybe to, for both AEW and WWE, as we've seen with New Japan, like the two-night thing, obviously, I guess if we were to pick AEW's like flagship pay-per-view, I guess double or nothing, right, would be the one of like maybe they could do that two nights but it adds narrative possibilities doesn't it where you can hmm. do this thing happens on night one which leads into night two that's like and you get a bunch of those things that could happen so uh, there's, there's definitely pros to it AW might not be able to do it just yet though I don't think because I don't know they don't do enough pay-per-views for my money uh, Hamflet came up with or stole a great catchphrase from uh, I think it was from some speed awareness thing here in the UK but in terms of matches I, I was blown away by a lot of the stuff that happened at WrestleMania because it was so just like, all right, we're going to give you Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but they're only going to have 10 minutes. Like I would rather sit there and go, oh, I wish they got two more, five more minutes, whatever it may be, mm. than go, probably cut that out, probably cut that out. Like there was matches that I wished had been given more time. Oh, insane. Riddle, Sheamus, really. I loved that on uh, on WrestleMania. Uh, mm. Cesaro and Rollins just flew by for me. But yeah, the, the phrase that Hamlet used is, 20s plenty, which I think for the most part, occasionally main yeah. events, like I didn't mind Brian and Edge and, and Reigns going over 20 minutes, only just as well for them. But yeah, I think that's that's half the battle as well, isn't it? Is 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 keeping a leash on your performers and not having a, a match that can be told in 10 minutes stretch out just for just for the indulgence perhaps of performers. It's the same as same as the any other television show, whether like it's fictional or whether it's wrestling. If it can be told in 20 minutes, why are you trying to spend an hour telling it? Like, you don't need to do that. Um, I do understand there are certain... Like, this might be controversial. I know they are the best matches of all time, everyone will tell you. But the for my personal taste, the Omega Okada matches, I find it's hard to go back and rewatch them because that's a large chunk of time yeah. you're going to have to go and donate to it. Like, I like what I saw. I understand why they are as 
good as they are. But for me, I'd much rather watch something in 20 minutes that's mm-hmm. that's going to leave such a huge, quick impression on me. Do you know what I mean? And I guess maybe that's just a personal taste thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all subjective, as Andy Murray would like to say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like 20 minutes is more than enough. And the fact that I think it was Hampton again who basically said the Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly match. If you had if they had that match <laughs> twice, that was the length of one of the nights of WrestleMania or yeah. whatever it was. And it's like, that's an unreal, man. It's, and it, if the story isn't good enough or if there's not enough to tell and you're just doing stuff for the sake of doing it, then you need to re, like reassess that, don't you? Mm, exactly. Uh, right, I mentioned uh, the main event of night two, which was just, oh God, I can't wait to watch a SmackDown. You know, mm. Despite the fact I have my fingers burnt with the Raw after WrestleMania, I'm genuinely considering staying up to watch the SmackDown after WrestleMania just to see what the fallout from all of this just, is, not just with... Just to burn the rest of them off. Yeah, not just with, with Reigns, but with Edge and Brian and Bianca Belair and Sasha. Oh, my word. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Big Man Small Planet uh, asks, where do Edge, Brian and Reigns go after WrestleMania? And possibly more importantly, who should be Roman's next challenger? I hope you guys are well and taking advantage of those beer gardens this week. Oh, trust me. Plans are in place. We will finally get to to enjoy Corona the right way soon, uh, <laughs> Adam Nicholas. But yeah, um, how do you see it being followed up? And more importantly, yeah, who who's next for Roman? And please say a name. I'm thinking of. Oh well, there's plenty of names you could be thinking of. You said who's next there, Adam Wilborn? Are you trying to invoke the spirit of a certain performer in WWE? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling you might not be. Uh, so what's next? I guess for Edge and Brian first, we'll go with. I think Edge needs to. I would like to see him start to go on a bit of a like a run of matches or whoever it is with new talent who he hasn't faced yet. Although as I say that, I think a natural progression for WWE would be maybe a one-two pay-per-view stint with Brian, yeah, one-on-one matches perhaps because he'll probably see it as Brian's the guy who got in there and cost him his one-on-one opportunity. He's going to want to take it out on him potentially. I hope they don't just go Didn't in and give Roman him Roman B as well and, and Brian pulled the referee yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there's a, there's enough of it. Well, we're going to see all of that spill out on SmackDown, which is going to be great. Um, in terms of Reigns, honestly, I still can't get past. It's not, it's not what anybody wants to hear, I don't think. I don't think anyway, but even at the end of WrestleMania, when Michael Cole said, who could possibly stop Roman Reigns at this point? I was expecting a Brock Lesnar. I was expecting Lesnar to come out. And I know nobody wants it, really. I don't even think I want it, but it just felt like the logical step because they built Roman to such a height. But I do think they might save that match for a SummerSlam or a Mania where they can have the Paul Heyman's two guys against each other. Yeah, I think it's all well and good uh, booking Brock Lesnar. I think the thing is, as much as we go, this is a good story. This is a good place for him to come back. I can Mm. very much see Brock just sitting up there at his his house and going, nope. So <laughs> that kind of puts place with that. He's no, he's, you know, if he doesn't want to do it, he's not going to do it. Um, I've campaigned for this for quite some time. When and whether it was going to be Brian as champion, Edge as champion, or Roman Reigns as champion, maybe not necessarily at WrestleMania Backlash, but I think Money in the Bank this year could be one of the best pay per view, one of the best B show pay per views uh, WWE's put on in recent memory, in my opinion, because you put. Edge and Daniel Bryan in the Money in the Bank match, Edge in particular, as this desperate man now who has got this, you know, storied history with the briefcase. And because everyone buys Money in the Bank, well, they buy pay-per-views just because it's bloody network and Peacock subscriptions or whatever. But Mm. in terms of buying pay-per-views, you buy Money in the Bank for the Money in the Bank matches. And 
it's it's in, so intriguing in terms of who they put it on this year. Probably bloody King Corbin again or something. But um, it, both men's and women's, this this is a wide open field, and you feel like it's a, a possibly a catalyst for some change. Fingers crossed in WWE. Hmm. So why not just have a, a competitor with Roman Reigns that we all know Roman's going to retain? You've milked this, by the way. Good Lord. <laughs> they also could just put, just put Cesaro in there. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's beaten Rollins. I could, you know, they might do it a backlash, but I, I feel like Money in the Bank is such a such a perfect thing because wherever you drop him in, it doesn't really matter. It has to be Cesaro. Big E, yes, has lost, but you can't really have him lose upwards that much mm. and he's still got yeah. uh, ongoing issues with Apollo Crews and what a guy I've never seen before in Dabakato Babatunde or whatever new name they've bloody given him. I think the, the interesting thing about this is that Cesaro would be like I didn't I didn't want to incur Cesaro's name because I don't want to jinx it for him. But I feel like everybody will be thinking that's an um a next logical step for him to head up in that territory. Um but also <laughs> if you take your mind back to WrestleMania 36, right? Seth Rollins lost to Kevin Owens, didn't he? He lost to him. And did Kevin Owens get the big push? No, he did not. Who got the match against Drew McIntyre yeah. next? Seth Rollins. And while it wouldn't necessarily match up in terms of heel versus heel, you know WWE love all this. Ooh, a chance for a semi-shield reunion. That looks like something we could do. Seth's got a load of stuff going on in terms of he's wearing all these fancy suits and all that sort of stuff. And is that a reward for him for putting over Cesaro? That, that sounds more like WWE storytelling mm. to me than it does, hey, Big Tony's looking good. Let's give him the rub. <laughs> I just... I can't shake the the feeling of the excitement. I mean, even though people know there's no chance in the world Cesaro leaves as Universal Champion and is the one to end this mad run that Roman Reigns has been on, I'd still nibble on a pinfall on a pay-per-view. And my word, the mental image, Adam Nicholas, of not Roman Reigns or Jey Uso eating a Cesaro swing, but Paul (laughs) Heyman getting swung around on an episode of SmackDown might be one of the greatest moments in SmackDown history. I think you've just sold me on that there. I mean, to watch Paul Heyman, to watch Paul Heyman move through the air in what would probably be the only time he would ever be graceful in his life. (laughs) I mean, that's quite something. That is quite something. I never even thought about Paul Heyman taking a swing. And now I think it's all I'm going to think about for the rest of the day. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Right, let's uh, look at some more questions we've received on Twitter at whatculturewwe. Of course, you want to get in touch with us. Cyhawk says... Is Alistair Black done at WWE and stuck doing nothing until his contract is done due to Vinny's beef with Zelina Vega? And does he go to AEW when he's free? Quite possibly, I think. I mean, in terms of a, a fit, surely, and Alistair Black is a fit much better for an AEW than he is. Like, think about Al- Alistair Black and NXT. That whole character, the whole brand and the gimmick, everything about it would work excellently in a company that actually would give it time to breathe and not systematically remove each individual part of the things that you liked about it <laughs> before it actually got a chance to breathe. Um, it sounds like they haven't had anything for him already. The Selena Vega stuff won't have helped that at all. Vince will not Vince will not have any interest, particularly, I don't think, in, in pushing him in any way, shape or form. I mean, the only saving grace I could ever imagine for him would be seeing him go back to NXT, and I don't even think they'll give him that unless they decide to move Finn Balor back onto the main roster now that he's lost the belt and they need another old NXT head to go back mm. and sort of spearhead things for a while. Because you could have, you could see him having some great matches over there. That would be some some interesting stuff for him to pick up. But really, I think we could just be playing the waiting game now. Um, and the question would be, and I guess this I'll add this to you before you answer as well, could you see him pairing up with Zelina Vega somewhere else as opposed to Zelina and Andrade, which I know people have dreamed of? Could you see possibly Alistair Black and Zelina doing something together? Yeah, I think so. That might be that might be very interesting as much as it, it worries me whenever they go, just put a couple together. Mainly that's my yes. business yeah. head <laughs> on. Um, I think it's inexplicable. If, if they, I mean, it probably is going to happen, but WWE potentially in the same year letting Andrade and Alistair Black go it's just mind-blowing for me. Uh, obviously, two former NXT world champions. And just so talented. And you look at... I don't want to bury him, but you look at the, the exposure that someone like a King Corbin gets. And I know he's got a role to play and stuff. And it's not. this isn't on him. This is the way they're booking him. But you're like... I get you've got a, a blueprint, a way of doing things. And there's certain things on a checklist that if people don't do that, then that's kind of... 
put you look at the the things that Andrade and Alistair Black can do in the ring, and yeah, if WWE want to use them, of course they should go to AEW and and Zelina Vega again. I mean, it's even more inexplicable because it's not like she's pissed people off by doing stuff back. Say she just does stuff outside of WWE, and they had a hissy fit about it in the midst of a bloody pandemic. Oh, I'm not going to wind myself up about it. Yes, I hope it does. I think it will. Uh, and the, the Zelina Vega, uh, Alistair Black team up is something I've, I've never actually considered. But now you've now you've dropped that in. I really like the sound of it too. So uh, fingers crossed. But uh, as always, we'll keep you posted on any developments with this. If they've got a brain in their nut, they use him anywhere, like you say. It doesn't have to come back and immediately start fighting Karrion Cross. You could have him come back and fight for the bloody North American Championship with Johnny Gargano, which would be tasty. But, yeah. It would be delicious, wouldn't it? I mean, there's so many matches they could have there. But I could know, I could also see him doing New Japan, though, if he was interested yeah. in that. I could yeah, see yeah. him going there and, and bringing that kind of character across there. That would be interesting, too. Uh, Scotty Curtis says, on the back of uh, Phil Chambers' recent post of his first WWE show he attended, what were some of the matches and memories from your first ever events? Uh, Scotty shares his. He went to watch World Wrestling Entertainment, the Ruthless Aggression Tour at the Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. I uh, got to see Scott Steiner beat Test, Spike Dudley beat Stephen Richards, Victoria beat Trish Stratus, La Resistance beat the Dudley Boys to retain the tag title. Wow. Defeating Christian to retain the IC title, Goldust Val Venus, Rob Van Dam versus Kane, and Kevin Nash, and Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho and Randy Orton. Some of your memories, Nicholas. Wow, some good matches on that card, by yeah. the way. Just all like certainly timestamp matches that would, uh, I'm sure they go down quite well now. I can give you a few. I can give you the first, the first WWE live show I think I ever went to. I believe this was it. <laughs> a great moment I'll never forget when. Uh, there was a women's tag in um, in the ring. And I think I've mentioned this story before. It was the Bellas, and I believe it was like Paige and someone else. I'll say AJ Lee. It wasn't AJ Lee, but let's just say it for the purposes of this. It was that mania yeah. tag match, something along those lines. And in the middle of this uh, women's match, um, and this was at the time when we were talking 2015, where Sting had returned to... WWE, I say return, had turned up in WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, light, the lights in the arena just cut off. Like, they just there was a power cut in the middle of this women's tag match and some genius in the midst of this just shouted, It's Sting! <laughs> 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 like, everybody was just howling. Everybody in the arena was absolutely laughing their head off because when the lights came back on, obviously, there was no Sting. But uh, a great little moment, that from a first WWE live show. But then, I guess, just briefly for first big pay-per-views. The first actual big pay-per-view I ever went to was um, TakeOver Dallas, uh, oh. in which was NXT TakeOver Dallas, which was amazing. Obviously, loads of big moments on that night. Uh, the whole show was great, but I guess the highlight was Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura. In particular, Nakamura's entrance as well was just sublime to watch for the first time. Uh, Finn Balor came up with a chainsaw that night as well, I think. Um, Texas <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre. And from that WrestleMania... Uh, um, let's have a think. Oh, that like WrestleMania, the ladder match. It was a terrible WrestleMania in hindsight. The worst <laughs> one ever, the WrestleMania 32, because everybody was injured. Um, but yes, the ladder match where Zack Ryder won the belt, the IC yeah. title, by chucking the Miz off the ladder. But genuinely, the bigger moment for me was Kevin Owens coming out in front of that crowd, 100,000 people at the start of that match. And he was just 
hyped. And he got me hyped. I was like bouncing off the walls by the time he came out. Amazing. Really, really great stuff. Yeah, the only thing I can compare that entrance to is, is when he returned to NXT at War Games and you can just written oh, all that. Oh, God. I envy Michael Hamflet every day for having that experience. Bastard. Uh, yeah, for, for me, I went to my the first WWE event I went to was, was just a live event in Birmingham. Uh, and it's just, just bucket list stuff. I got to see the Dudley boys put the New Day through a table. Nice. Yep, take that off. Brilliant, that. And I think that <laughs> possibly was the same tour that Rollins was meant to be on as world champion before he got injured. Mm. And they replaced him. I'm not mistaken with Dean Ambrose, which which popped me. Uh, in terms of the first WWE televised thing I went to, I went to a SmackDown live in London just before my, me and the missus went to the Dominican Republic on holiday, and it was it was just a great couple of weeks. That uh, I just my distinct memory from that was was a them going oh, please stick around and watch 205 later and we'll uh we'll, we'll shoot, let you watch shinsuke nakamura actually wrestle because this was before he, he wrestled and him and ziggler were going back and forth and they just yeah. put the match on after the show after the 205 live but my, my main memory from that show is being in the the like concourse area going to get some food or going to the loo or whatever and just hearing Bree Zango's music hit and sprinting to get back because I wanted to be there to do the the Bree Zango. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, in terms of like live events, obviously uh, going to going to take over New York, going to uh, WrestleMania 35 is it's not bad. WrestleMania have as your first WrestleMania, and uh, it will uh, live long in the memory. Even more so, arguably more than all that, the podcast, which is all, I think I checked. Well, <laughs> One of our most listened to podcasts ever. Yeah. It's me, Nicholas and Cleary at what? 4am, which you think, well, you record 4am podcasts all the time. Yeah, not when the show starts at bloody 6pm or something. Me, uh, Nicholas and Cleary trying to remember what happened at WrestleMania 35 and just sort of fidgeting to make sure your body doesn't fall asleep, basically. I, I actually think me and Cleary were just taking it in turns to nap while you were asking, like, we on who would wake up and then you'd nudge the other one and send them in for a quick bit of conversation there. But actually you reminded me there about being at an inconvenient bathroom break when something good's happening. At that Mania 32 was the one where Austin, HBK and Mankind came out, or Mick Foley came out. And uh, I was literally just gone to the bathroom and obviously you could hear the music starting. I want to say maybe Mick Foley was first and then it was Michaels and then it was Stone Cold. So imagine like you're trying to rush through going to the going to the toilet, and like these entrances are kicking off, and I'm getting faster and faster. And then I hear the glass break, and I do I think I heard the glass break, and I think I just gave up. I like ran my hands through someone else's water, as like I mean from the from the taps where yeah. they were washing their hands no, no. <laughs> as quickly as possible. I was just running with my hands like that straight down to go and catch it all as it was happening. Amazing stuff. Um Right, final few questions here. Luke Cullen says, any John Cena moments that genuinely popped you or you remember fondly? He's what got me interesting at the age of five. Oh, my God. Uh, and wow. sadly, most people, looking at you, Michael Sidgwick, I'll be word what he says, aren't fans of him, either deservedly or not deservedly so. I saw an interview with uh, Cena uh, as Peacemaker on Steve, Stephen Colbert last week, and I kind of fell in love with him all over again. He's such a top boy. I miss him. He's, he's definitely missed. He's a big presence, isn't he? Um, and shout out, first of all, to Luke Cullen, who always supports the boys at uh, What Culture. 
Always good to hear from you, sir. But um, in terms of John Cena doing stuff, one that comes to my mind that you and I both shared together was uh, John Cena coming out as uh, the doctor of thugonomics at WrestleMania 35. And just just generally, like, not being afraid to take the piss out of himself because, like, he knows what he is. He knows what the fans think he is. And like you say, man, he's a miss, genuinely. I do think, like, I mean, I don't think there's... You wouldn't be shy of him coming back, would you? Like, having that star power come back and just, no. just pop his head in for five minutes. Uh, and although, although it never actually ended up coming to anything, that was he was the only person, I think, maybe on earth who could have pulled off proposing... At a WrestleMania, <laughs> uh, which I have to be honest, while I was there live and a bit pissed, I was like, "Isn't that lovely?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I loved him coming out at, at thirty-five, and and credit where it's due, and and you can draw comparisons to this year in terms of the uh, <laughs> the way the fiend fared at WrestleMania for WrestleMania thirty-six. Yes, I have to admit that that, that yes. uh, love or hate him, and I generally lean towards love him now. I think I've had that time to to sort of take a step back and, and acknowledge the fact that, I mean, yes, he was dominant on top, but who else was there going to be who could really carry the company? And there's many matches and, and, and results you can point to and say, <laughs> shouldn't have won that, uh, Team Nexus. Uh, but he, 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 <laughs> I think now he's just willing to, yeah, like you say, uh, even more so than he was before. Acknowledge his faults. I mean, take take ownership of that in that Firefly Funhouse match. And I, I it's it's I'm good. WWE just put it on their YouTube channel. It's something I'm probably going to go back and watch uh, very soon mm. again. Uh, as a result of that, I thought for a split second, one of my favourite John Cena memories is actually a dreadful match. It's me and Adam Nicholas after a night <laughs> watching him versus JBL at WrestleMania 21, a match I very vaguely remembered of like, oh yeah, blah blah blah, uh, f you. Oh, world champion that's the match that's the match in it that's it it's it's the worst match I think it's one of the worst matches I've ever watched and anybody else who has better suggestions please do send us them in but like genuinely it's punches elbows clotheslines scoop slams stuff in the corner just like pumping up the, shoes. In the corner pumping up the shoes seen as uh, five moves to doom and that's about it like obviously we get the <laughs> FU Genuinely, it's not. It there's not even like you know when you see two horses going at it, you think this is amazing. I just remember watching it and just it just bored me to tears. To tears. It was Can dreadful. you guess how long it went? I've just got the WrestleMania 21 card up here. Too too goddamn long. It's it only it went, went 11 minutes. It felt like still too long. Hour. Still too long. Still too long. I told when I put it on with you, I remember you were like, "Ah, oh, this isn't too bad." And I was like, "I'm telling you, this is going to be a long ass watch." And it we were both. Broken by the end of it, I think. <laughs> roller coaster WrestleMania 21 was, by the way. Look at this. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero to open. Yeah. Edge winning money in the bank in 15 minutes, second match. Yeah. Undertaker, Randy Orton. Trish Trash, Christy Hemi goes four minutes for the women's championship. All right, okay. Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels goes nearly half an hour and, and oh, God. every minute of it. And yes, then, it all right, let's calm the, calm the crowd down before Triple H's match. Akibono versus the Big Show. Super match. <laughs> John Cena, JBL, and then Batista winning the title from uh, from Triple H. Mm. Yeah, quite the uh, quite the ride that WrestleMania. Uh, but yeah, a lot of love, John Cena. A uh, couple of final questions here. I'll just fly through this one very quickly. I like this one from AFK. Uh, if you could show someone a single piece of content you worked on at What Culture to be like, this is what I do, and it's awesome. What would it be? Uh, well, thanks once again to everyone who subscribed to help us hit two million subscribers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Well, I'm not usually one to be self-indulgent, I think, with the work we do, but I, one of my favorite, in fact, it is not one of, it is absolutely the, my favorite thing ever, uh, was the catchphrase quiz yes. that we did, wrestling quiz. Not only because I enjoyed being part of it, one of, I was one of the, the three contestants who got to do the first one and won it, but you know what, no big deal. Um, <laughs> But also just the amount of time and effort and work that you and Phil put into this. Nobody will ever truly know how much went into this. And it paid off in maybe not in clicks the way we might have wanted it to, but in terms of the joy in my heart, it's never ending that. Never ending. Yeah. Amazing stuff. I'm so glad you mentioned that because it would have been very self-indulgent, but I was gonna to have to mention it as well. The hype that went around that was ridiculous in the World Championship. We had secret chats with me, Phil and the bosses. We had boxes and boxes of stuff getting delivered. And then me and Phil booking the studio for hours on end to record our little <laughs> stupid photos and skits and what have you. Uh, it's still available on our YouTube channel to go and check out. I think it's done over 100K, so hopefully one we can finally be in the same place together, we'll try and shoot another one of those because it was, mm. it was so much fun, A, to, to be a part of and B, to see your guys' reaction to uh, as a result of that. Um, in terms of other things, I think one of the coolest things, obviously, is whenever we get to report live from events and randomly bumping into and starting up an apparent feud with Chris Cyborg is, uh, is yes. up there <laughs> with one of my favourite members from, from What Culture. But also just that mm. random day where what other job can you come in and uh, and obviously uh, it's we're very lucky to be able to talk about our passion. But I remember coming in and just I don't normally do this. It's normally quite professional the back and forth I have with the bosses. But I came in and was just ranting the office and ranting to the bosses about that episode of Monday Night Raw. And yeah, one of the bosses said, "Just go and see you and just just start recording. Just say what you've just said." And that's what I did. I had a <laughs> ten minute breakdown, broken will, yeah, yeah. born, and it was. Uh, it was preposterous that that was that was a job. Uh, it's very different to, to some of the other stuff, but yeah, the fact that we you just get all the stuff off your chest about a company that without them you wouldn't exist, but also you, it's a love hate relationship at the best of times. I'm here fair to say with WWE. Uh, right, final question. I thought was, I like this one. It's a good one to finish on from uh, Jack Neville, who says Michael Hampler once said in reference to Ladina Debonair that heels have their stake well done. What are some other everyday things that you think heels would do? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, real-life heels. So, first things first, real-life heels wouldn't return the round. And what I mean by that oh, yeah. is, of course, if you were out on the drink, Let's say there was four of you out on the drink and you were doing rounds and a real-life heel would be the lap. So you do, you'd get your round, Willborn, I'd yep. get a round in, Michael Hamlet would get a round in, and then whoever the fourth person was would be like, right, well, I'm going to head off home now because um, I've had all the drinks I want and would bounce. Or worse yet, we'd do a, a, a I was going to call it a French exit, but I guess we should just call it an exit these days. We'd just do a side... <laughs> A side exit down the way and disappear into the night without ever reciprocating your drinks round. That would be one thing that they would most definitely do. Another thing, of course, a heel would do would be spoil the endings to films. Adam yeah. Wilborn, that's what a heel would do. Just walk in and start spouting spoilers everywhere. I think that would be a good heel trait. I had one more in my head there, and I think it's it's disappeared. But go on, give me a couple of yours while you're thinking. While I'm thinking, sorry. It's, it's it, they're they're very good. They are. Uh, Obviously, 
not tipping. That's a very heelish thing to do, particularly for our Americans. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's definitely something a heel would do. Um, for some reason, not letting you out of a junction, that really winds me up sometimes. <laughs> uh, that's definitely a, a real-life heelish thing to do. I think I think not getting around him might be the most heelish thing ever. I think that's something MJF's definitely going to do on Dynamite yeah. in a few weeks after the rest of the pinnacle. I've got I think I've got two others that I could probably summon here, and I think for, these are more personal, like my personal views on things. People who right when you make plans with someone, so like let's just say again, you and I, Adam, have made plans together, mm-hmm. right? We've made plans, but it turns out you're actually a heel, and rather than me committing to just a night with me and you. You've invited seven other people that I didn't know <laughs> that I didn't know about, and I turn up for my nice one-on-one catch-up drinks with you, and it turns out that everyone in the world is there. That might just be a personal thing, but that grinds my gears. If I have just signed up for a certain type of night, and I end up on the different kind of night, unless it's something that is genuinely an improvement that I'm happy with. Oh, it drives me nuts that. Or the other one, I guess it comes from Seinfeld. This one. <laughs> not really a personal one I just find it funny that George Costanza finds it so funny uh, so infuriating people who double dip their chips in dip oh. so like you t- you get your your chip or your crisp as we would go you put it in the dip at a party in particular and you've dipped it in there and you've taken a bite of it but you haven't finished the crisp and then you've gone back in again into the dip with the same crisp mm. because that's going to have your mouth on it and now it Obviously, after the pandemic, that is the most heelish thing you could possibly do, surely. <laughs> You've just basically contaminated the whole dip for not just everybody at the party, but everyone in the world. And I don't like it. It's no good. No, exactly. That's a that's a great one. And just to just to uh, piggyback off off the other one that you've just suggested there as well, in terms of the most heelish things to do, if it's not inviting other people to to tag along to your personal event, it's waiting till half an hour before and cancelling because of a clearly bollocks excuse. Like, if you don't want to hang out, just say, I'm, I'm not a, you know, delicate flower. Just say, don't turn around to me and say your fish is sick. Or I've genuinely had this, someone who didn't turn up to one of, a birthday party of a friend of ours because they said, oh, I can't come. The, uh, the boot on my car's broken. What? What are you talking about? You absolute idiot. So, yeah, it, preposterous, some of the excuses that some people will come out with. <laughs> oh, that's good. I mean, there's a, there's a certain level of heel creativity involved there with the broken boot on the car that I'm almost impressed with. And just to, just to add insult to injury, uh, text him later on the same night. Said, oh, no, mate, I hope everything goes all right with your car. And he goes, oh, it's fixed now. Didn't bother to actually bother coming to the to the house party. He just said, yeah, fix now. No worry about it. See you in a few weeks. See you later. Bye-bye. Uh, right, let us know. So, I like this topic. We feel like we could do an entire podcast on this. Uh, what are the most heelish things you can do in real life? Let us know on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow me, at Adam Wilborn. You can follow him, at It's Adam Nicholas. I'm saying that for him because our, I'll say what one of the most heelish things you can do in real life is, and that's uh, get Virgin Media Broadband, apparently, because it's a piece of crap. Uh, right, my thanks to Adam Nicholas. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for all your Twitter questions at what Culture WWE. We'll do this again soon with another member of the What Culture office. But for now, my thanks, Adam Nicholas. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.